down. Oh, man. It is wonderful always to be together. Wonderful to be in the presence of Jesus. And wherever we are, he is. I'm telling you now. He said, where two or three, you know it well. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the center, in the midst. And he's here this morning. He knows all of our needs. He knows all of the issues that we're facing. And as Faye said, as we were encouraged by that word from the Spirit regarding when the armies of Assyria came and attacked the city of God, Jerusalem. And they were threatened and they were, they were fearful of being taken out and taken down. They suddenly got word from the Lord and the direction was simple. Raise your voice and sing. Send out the singers first. Declare my everlasting love for you. And suddenly the Spirit of God moved and it was all over. The threat was gone. The fear was gone. And great bounty and great riches were left on the floor for the people of God to collect and take back home. Isn't it amazing how God can take a crisis, how God can take something that is trying to captivate you and imprison you and threaten you and take you out? Isn't it amazing that the sovereignty of God, the wisdom of God, how he can use the most difficult of times, the darkest moment of life, and he can use it for your advantage? He can use it to bring something amazing out of. When we look at life, sometimes it's a bit like that scenario that Jehoshaphat was facing. When he saw and and heard the threats and the, the ensuing army that were coming on that city. They felt captivated. They felt imprisoned. They felt as if everything was closing down. Everything was locked up. Everybody was on full alert. Regarding the threat and then suddenly the word of the Lord. You see, the Bible says the word of the Lord is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And our freedom is not based on, you know, a a self-help program. Our freedom is not based on some religious system that we have to work out, some duties that we have to fulfill. I'm not here this morning to tell you what you can do for God. I'm here to tell you what Jesus has done for you. The Old Testament was all about obey and behave. The New Covenant, the New Testament of God's will for your life is all about believe and receive. And it's a lot easier than obey and behave, my friends. Believe and receive. Believe what Jesus has said. Believe what the Spirit is encouraging you with. Believe in how he's trying to teach you and help you and to bring you into new dimensions of living. Just believe and receive it. Hallelujah. It's amazing how God can take the most difficult moments of our lives, the darkest moments where we think he can't come into, and suddenly with word from Maybe a friend or a word from God's word or a or, or word from an unusual source. It comes by and it, and it revives the smoldering wick of your life. 
It rejuvenates that ebbing life within you and faith arises and you, you acknowledge what God is saying and you obey the directives and you just begin to sing. It seems so ludicrous. It seems illogical, but you do it because you believe that God is true to his word and true to his promises. And if he says it, he will do it. Unlike us many times, I say a lot of things that I don't end up doing. I make a lot of promises that I break, but God has never yet broken a promise. He's not a man that he should lie. He tells us about his character. He tells us about the type of God that he is. If he said something, he's going to do it, my friends. I can tell you he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Make no, make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. He's very different to us. The way he uses words and the promises he makes is very different to the way that we use words. Talk is not cheap to God. If he says it, he will do it. He said, my word will not return to me void without accomplishing that for which I have sent it. Circumstances may come up against that word. Kings and politicians and, and, and governments and countries and nations may come up against that word. But if God has said it, it will not return to him void. It will accomplish that for which he has sent it. And he's spoken a word over this world. He has spoken a word that will be accomplished. And he said, one day the heavens will open, the, the skies will split, Christ will return, nations will oppose it, religions will oppose it. They will tell you it's impossible. They will tell you it can never be done. And the nations will rage and God will laugh in heaven against their, their puny attempts to try and hinder and stop the word that he has declared. Hallelujah. He's got a word for Wales. He's got a word for Newport. He's got a word for every town and village. He's got a word for your life. And that word, in that word, freedom, life, and all of its fullness and all of its abundance dwells. You see, we've been talking about freedom. We've been talking about living in this wonderful place, this wonder. It's a dimension of living. It's not natural. It's not normal. It shouldn't be. It's absolutely miraculous. You can't find it anywhere in the world, but you can find it in the church. You can find it with the people of God. You can find it in the presence of Jesus. That's what it is. It's a dimension of life. It's, it's, it's a spiritual place. Can't go and buy it down the shop. You can't use silver and gold to get it. You've got to use your faith. You've got to use the life in your spirit. You've got to take hold of the word of God and let it dwell within you richly because you love it. You become possessed by it. You become a manifestation of it. And the same way that the word became flesh when Christ came, that same way the word begins to unpack itself in you and the word becomes flesh and you experience freedom and life and, and the power of God becomes manifest through you, through you. Why shouldn't it? 
Why shouldn't it, my friends? Jesus died for you. Jesus gave his blood for you. Jesus poured out everything he could pour out. He even went to hell to make sure that it would happen and take place. Now is the time. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let not another day go past without experiencing this freedom. Let not not another day be wasted when we just go through life, trudging through life apathetically. The very life of God is inside you. The Spirit of God is in us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And when we begin to realize and take our eyes off this world... And set our minds and our affections on things above where Christ is seated. I'm telling you now, you start to get a download and your circuits start to break. Your circuits start to blow when the power of heaven, the kingdom of God, starts to surge through your being. And you can't sleep at night because you're so excited. You want to think about him. You want to speak about him. The name of Jesus. I don't want to preach about any, anything else. I love talking about Jesus. I love thinking about Jesus. It makes me happy. It makes me glad to hear the wonderful name. It's like a healing balm. It's not, it's not like a, an earthly name. There's something about that name. There's something about the name of Jesus. It's got power all over it. God has given him a name that is above every other name. God didn't give me my name. My mom and dad gave me my name. There's no power on my name. But when God gives you a name, my God, heaven and earth responds to it. When God exalts your name, and he's exalted the name of Jesus. (laughs) The name of Jesus. Every demon fears the name of Jesus. Every sickness has to bow. Drug addiction, every kind of habit. Thank God. If we didn't have the name of Jesus, I'd be bound with all kinds of habits. I'd be dead in my sin and my trespasses. But Christ, Jesus, came to me like he came to you. It wasn't just a set of decisions that got you to this place today, my friends. It wasn't just down to some choices that you made. If that was all it was, you would have failed. You would have failed. You would not still be here. Why? Because our choices are flimsy. And we change like the weather. We're double-minded. We're duplicious in so many ways. No, you're kept by the power of God. You're kept by a living Holy Spirit that resides within you. That's how valuable you are. That's how precious you are to God. You really are sons and daughters of the King. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. You know, sometimes we go through life and it's so easy to carry things. Carry things and collect things. We, we collect this and we collect that and we collect all manner of things. And those things that we collect become a burden. We become heavy laden with things, desires. And it takes us in this way and that way. And suddenly we're being pulled apart from the inside because we weren't created to collect things. We were created to be the temple of the living God. We were created with, with wonderful purpose, with, with a special plan attached to your life. 
You weren't created to dispense and dissipate all of your passion and all of your desires into earthly things like other people do in the world. You were created to praise God. You were created to go into the presence of the king. You were created to dispense all of your affections and let him flood out and flow out in his presence and worship him and kiss his feet and love him and pour everything out before him. That's what you were created for. And that's why sometimes the things that we collect, they turn on us and they make us heavy laden. And the things that we think will give us freedom actually bind us up and constrict us and constrain us and imprison us. The things that we spend our time on and our money on, um, 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 we, we, we spend hour upon hour with them trying to maintain them, to try and get life from them become a bondage to us and it's in those times that God comes he said I'm going to set you free you weren't born for that you were born for something bigger you were born to soar you were born to keep company with me I want you to be with me I want to be close to you I never want to leave you or forsake you I'm very possessive about you I'm jealous over you I want you, I want everything I want all your thoughts I want all your affections I want your time, I want your energies I just want you because I love you I love you, I love being with you loves it, see. And even when we're giving him the cold shoulder, even when we're saying, not tonight, Lord, I got a headache. Even when we put our blankets over our head and say, no, Lord, he wants to be intimate. He comes with passion. He comes aroused. I love you. He can't turn his love off. He can't stop thinking about us. He's got to get to us. And he pursues us and he follows us. And it doesn't matter where we go, he's got to get to us. And he doesn't, it doesn't matter how we try to hide in the darkness, he comes into it. And he says, okay, I'll sit here with you. I'll sit here with you. Just like Isaiah saw. He said, those who sit in darkness have seen a great light. What's that all about? That's God going into darkness and, and exposing his glory, exposing his nature, laying himself bare, taking his clothes off, unveiling himself and saying, here I am in all of my nakedness. Have a look at my love. Have a look at my holiness. Have a look at my beauty. And I'll send Christ to show you it all. That's what he loves to do. And they saw the light. And when they saw the light, they came to him. Multitude after multitude. They saw him coming over the seas. And, and they saw where he was going to land. And they ran to the place where he would land. The homes that he went in were too small. They'd break through the roofs. They'd bash open the doors just to get to him. Why? Because God now was naked. In Christ. And suddenly, they were seeing a Christ that was not bound by law and restriction and, and, and pillar. They were seeing a Christ that was dispensing life unconditionally. They were seeing a Christ that was dispensing glory 
glory to change what couldn't be changed by man to come into the impossibilities and make them wonderfully possible and he went down the highways and the byways in his nakedness and just dispensed grace upon grace upon grace favor upon favor blessing upon blessing life wherever he went and demons had to go. Sickness had to go. He went into the leper colonies and emptied them. He went into the areas of the deranged and healed them. And he, he, he just let forth peace and life and grace and, and wonderful healing wherever he went. That's the God. That's only, that, that isn't really, that isn't really a good description of who he is. It doesn't even come near to who he is. He's wonderful. And he says to us, as he did when he spoke to the people around him that thronged and pressed him, he says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. You are free today. I declare it over you, not because I can say it, but I declare it over you. Because Jesus has said it. You are free. And as the Spirit of God has told us, where the Spirit is, there is complete freedom. Freedom. There is freedom in this place. As I am speaking to you right now, there are things dropping off your life. There are things that are saying, can't hold on anymore can't stay around here anymore. The king is standing up. The king is in the house. The king is on his throne. Those things that have held you, those thoughts that have limited you, those things that have become a ceiling over you, it's gone. Because the king is here and the king is declaring it. Do you know, I remember picking up a box and there was a little butterfly in it. It had only been in there for a few minutes. The kids had caught it and put a top on a container. And I thought, oh, do you know what? We can't do that. It's cruel. It's cruel to keep this beautiful butterfly in this container. We can't. And I, I spoke to the kids. I said, oh, come on, we can't. And they, you know, their hearts softened. Oh, yes, Daddy, we just wanted it as a little pet. We got to. We, so they understood that, you see, the butterfly wasn't born for the container. So again, it's, it's, it's a lot. This, this little illustration is simple. But it's a lot like the little story I told you about, you know, the budgery guard in the cage that my mum bought me. So I take the lid off the container and again, amazing, the butterfly wouldn't go out of the container because it's, it thought it was contained. When, when we held the container in our hands and it had the lid on the container, you could see the little butterfly flying, flying up against the lid, up against the ceiling, and it couldn't break through. The pressure on it was too great for it to push through. It needed a greater power, a greater strength to come. Just rip the lid off and say, come on, butterfly, you can do it. But that little butterfly, because it had hit the lid so long, it was exhausted. And many of us today, you know, we've hit that lid. We've hit that ceiling. We've tried to punch through that habit. We've tried to break that addiction. We've tried in our strength to do what we can do best. 
and God doesn't criticize us. God can see us like I saw that little butterfly. Look at that little beautiful butterfly there. It wasn't designed to be contained and to be held down by by a ceiling and a limitation. And God, I'm telling you, in this season, he is ripping. He is ripping the, 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 the lid off the container, and you may be exhausted at the moment. You may feel, look, I just haven't got enough strength to believe. I haven't even got enough faith to think that this is going to happen again. That's okay, my friends, because the God of all comfort will comfort you. He will comfort you with the comfort you need, and he will get you to a place where you've got that faith to fly again. But listen, realize and recognize that the lid is off. The lid is off and now the spirit of God is going to come and he is going to give you energy again, renewed strength. That's what David, that's what, yeah, that's what, sorry, that's what Isaiah said, that he will renew our strength. He will renew your strength and you'll have wings like eagles because your strength has been renewed by Not by your self-help programs, not by, you know, the adherence to the law, not by, you know, this great big strategy that's spiritual. No, just renewed strength because God loves you and he's designed you to fly and you'll soar. You will soar like with wings as of eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not go faint. Why? Renewed strength. And before we knew it, that little butterfly was out of that container flying away. Doing what it was designed to do, you see. John 10, uh, sorry, John 8, 36. Jesus' words. He said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Free indeed. We said that word freedom is this. Power to rule over what's been ruling over you. Anything hanging around still ruling over you? You've got every right now. This is the season where God is speaking to you. You've got every right to say, hey, your days are over. Now, the, the, habit, the habit may hang around for a while. The addiction may hang around for a while. There may be, you know, some dregs in your life just hanging around for a while. But I'm telling you, on the authority of the scriptures, on the authority of the prophetic word, right? I'm telling you now, free in the name of Jesus. You're free. You're free to fly. You're free to go and achieve everything that God's designed for your life. You're free to say, to go into the presence of God and appeal to him and have power with him and go into a new place of intimacy with him. Why? Because all containment and all restriction has been taken off. All limits are gone. He's put his hand in the cage and that little budgie's afraid. Those areas in your life that have been crushed, hurt and broken, they don't want to come out. But the gracious, compassionate hand of God goes into that cage and says, come on little budgie, you don't belong in this cage. Come on church of God, come out of your cage. There's a bigger environment for you to live in. There's a bigger environment for you to explore. There's a bigger more beautiful life to be expressed through you. It's not going to be same old, same old. You're not going to live the same 12 months, 80 times and call it a life. You're going to have abundant life. You're going to have the Zoe life. You're going to have the freedom of God and the grace of God covering you for the rest of your life. He's awesome. He's wonderful. Freedom. Freedom. Is wonderful.
And there's so many illustrations in the Bible that we could turn to. Where people just like you and I, there was nothing special about them. Just like you and I. But I'll tell you what was special about them. They were valuable and objects of God's love. So you and I are exactly the same. Don't ever put a person who's, who's written the Bible, a messenger that God used on a pedestal. They, if they were here, they would tell you, look, we're nothing. There's many occasions in the Bible where God came into people's lives and completely blasted them. Just with freedom and life and grace and, and bringing them into a new dimension of living. Just check Gideon out. Check Gideon out. You talk about a, 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 an imprisoned life. You talk about a, a restricted man in his mind. You talk about a man that's got a bleak picture of the future. Then God, the angel of God steps in. My God, he breaks open the cage of that man's life. He takes the lid off his life and he says, do you think you're going to stay like this? You mighty warrior. You're not going to stay in that cage. You're not going to be confined with that lid over your life. I've, you've been born for great things. I'm telling you, when the word of God speaks to you, initially you'll recoil. Initially you'll, you'll begin to apologize for it. Initially all of the excuses will come up. No, not me, not me, not me. No, no, I, you, it couldn't be me. It's a mistake. And that's what Gideon did. That's what Moses did. That's what every man in the Bible did. But I'm telling you now, when the power of God begins to mold and craft and shape the spirit of a man, anything is possible, my friends. Anything is possible to those who believe. And he goes to Gideon and he says, you're going to do great things. Oh, watch the excuses now. Oh, um, um, well, well, my, my, uh, my family are, are the weakest in the nation, so it's getting pretty bad. But even worse, Mr. Angel, by the Tiberinth tree, Mr. Angel, not only that, I'm the worst in my family. Na, 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 na. What can you do with that then, God? I'll show you what I can do with that. I'm going to defeat and break all of the Midianites through you, my son, because that's where I want you. I want you to recognize that you're nothing. I want you to recognize that you're weak. I want you to know and identify with those who have no hope. But I am the God that will give you hope. I am the God that will get glory from something that is dead. Did God do it, friends? He did it. He did it because if he says it, you can, you can bank on it. He's going to do it. If he calls you mighty warrior, I tell you whether you wake up to it or not, he is going to do it because there's something about his word that is very different to the words of our world. They're powerless. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. I tell you now, if God... <laughs> Oh my God, it's awesome. It's awesome. Power to rule over. What's ruling over you? Gideon had a major inferiority complex. Major. I'm the lowest, I'm the least, I can't do anything. God just busts it open, sets him free, and then suddenly this man who's got no hope for the future gets raised up as one of, one of Israel's judges and he is ruling and reigning over what was ruling and reigning over the whole nation, friends. One man. 
who met God. Not a man that met a man that met a man that met a man. You ain't going to do anything. One man who met God. The whole nation changed. Apostle Paul was in a terrible dilemma. I mentioned it last week in Romans chapter 7. He's powerless. He's imprisoned. He's captivated as a Christ follower. Set in churches up all over the place. And, and he, he finds this terrible dilemma opening up inside of him. He discovers something horrible. Something that we all know exists within us too. Something, a power called sin that's always getting the better of him. He's trying to set himself free. In fact, he says, the good that I try to do, I can't do. And the bad that I want to try to avoid, I continually do. I run towards it with great passion. I, I start out on day one trying to do all of my fastings and all of my devotions. And it's good. I've got good desires and good objectives to follow God. And then suddenly I find my, myself being dragged by desires that I cannot control into all of the bad things that I cannot resist. And he's a man that's bound. He's a man that's imprisoned. He's a man that's captivated. And at the end of it all, he says, who will deliver me? Who will deliver me? Have you ever wanted deliverance? Have you ever, do you know what it's like to cry for deliverance? I've cried for deliverance many times. I've gone year after year after year with the same issues and the same problems, crying, begging for deliverance. I've gone hour after hour, a bit like that woman with the issue of blood. She went everywhere. She sought every physician. She spent all that she had to get rid of that issue because she hated it. There was a power on her that she couldn't control until she met Jesus. You can go to one man, two man, three man, four. You can go to the whole world over, my friends. But until you come to Jesus, not much is going to change. But when you meet the king, when you come into the presence of the king, when you realize that your voice is heard by the one who, who arranged the universe, that flung the stars into the space, that, that knows everything about you, that knows the prayers that you pray even before they leave your heart or your tongue. David said about God when realizing this, you know my thoughts are far off. What's that about? When you realize that your voice carries great weight, and it does, carries great weight. Do you want to create your future? Start praying. Do you want to create the future for this city? Start praying. Do you want to change this nation? Start praying. Who do you want? Who, what politician do you want in? Start praying. What trouble, do you want to, what, what trouble do you want to stop in the world? Start praying. What war do you want to come to an end? Start praying. Because you can start pressing buttons in the presence of God because you're righteous. That will change the whole course of human history. I believe that. One man decided to stop the rotation of the earth. Because he had a little chat with God. Start praying. Start praying. You want to change your job? Start praying. Do you want a job? Start praying. Do you want a husband, wife? Start praying. What do you want? Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. I will do it. Now, if you come to me and say that, well, you'll get a flimsy promise that'll fail. Five minutes in, 
But Jesus said, whatever you ask, whatever you ask, whatever you ask, whatever you ask, nothing is too big. Try him out. Try him out. Make it big. And make it big and think you'll impress God. You'll never impress him. In, I'm, I'm just talking about trying. He's impressed with you. But, you know, with our prayers, make him as big as you want. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified. Ask anything. And I will do it. That's the connection that he wants us to have. It really is. That's the freedom that he wants us to live in, to experience, to enjoy, to unpack. Paul is battling Romans 7. There's over 40 personal pronouns, I, me, and my. I can't do this. The, the, the things that I don't want to do, I do. I, me, my. It's all about him. The attention's on him. He's in, introspective. He's looking at who he's trying to be but can't be. And he's in a terrible mess. He's in a, he's, he's in a rage. He's in a fight that he can't win because he's fighting himself. He can't change his nature. He's trying his hardest to change who he is. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I've used this illustration before, but it's very powerful. That word body of death was actually a, it was a torturous, a, a, a torturous thing that Roman soldiers used to do to murderers. If somebody murdered somebody, they would take the person that was murdered and they would take hold of the per perpetrator and they would tie the body, of the, the body of death, the dead person, to the back of the guilty party. And over time, the dead body would begin to de decompose into the living body and eat it up. Paul discovered a nature within himself that he absolutely detested and hated. And it was decomposing within him. It had power over him. He didn't have the ability to reign or rule over it. And his life was, was, was breaking apart. Like that decomposing body that was tied hand to hand, foot to foot, on the, on the back of the perpetrator. Paul cries, he says, who will deliver me? And suddenly, he sees Christ Jesus. He says, Christ my Lord. And from that moment on, that man was completely free. Free indeed. You go into Romans 8, suddenly he opens it, he says, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow, this is a free man talking now. This isn't an imprisoned man. This is a free man talking he talks about the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus that has set us free. And even though his troubles seem to be harder, even though the conflict and the crises that he's in seem to be more besetting, he's not worried. He's rested because the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus has set him free. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Woo! Come on, Jesus. I tell you now, right? I really had not planned to say a lot of that this morning. 
Jesus. Power to rule over what's been ruling over you. This freedom is not theoretical. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Jesus did not die on a cross and rise from the dead to give us cheap theory, friends. I don't think so. I think God is very, very serious about this freedom. I think God is very, very serious about the quality of life that you should have. The highest quality has been purchased for you, not some cheap imitation. I think God is very serious about the health that he wants you to have in your mind. Strong. I think God is very serious when he gave Christ on the cross and rose him from the dead on the third day to ratify the new covenant. I think that God is very, very serious about the power that he wants to give you by the Holy Spirit to rule over every addiction, to rule over every habit, to rule over every circumstance, to rule over anything that would oppose you. He's very serious because he bled and died. It's almost unimaginable. It's almost unthinkable. It's too much to contain and to work out. Jesus, by his spirit, is here this morning. And he wants us, each one of us, to enjoy the freedom. Maybe today, you're captivated by sorrow. Well, joy's going to come. And it's going to be your strength. He's going to renew your strength. You're going to fly. Maybe, like David, you've cried to the Lord. You've cried to him. Well, today the answer comes. And he's going to deliver you from all of your fears. Maybe today... You feel as if things have just railroaded through the most intimate place of your life, your heart and your mind. And once on that, those beautiful walls of your mind and your heart hung, pictures of trust and intimacy and hope and dream, hung on the inside of your life ambitions that were godly and hopes for the future that were born by God and something came in and stole all those hopes and stripped the wall bare, broke the windows and smashed through the doors and kicked everything about and you feel as if you're left like a wreck. Jesus said, John 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. I'm telling you now, you're going to get far more than what's been taken. It's going to be restored and inner beauty. If he can take a pile of ashes and make them beautiful, what can he do with our lives? Amen. Amen. You may be here this morning. Let's close our eyes just for one second. And you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You've never prayed a prayer. Right now, I want to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart. It's not obey and behave. It's believe and receive. Just believe that he's your savior. Believe that he will forgive you of your sin. Believe that he loves you. Believe that he accepts you. Believe that he died for you and rose for you. 
and wants to help you with life and change you right now, believe and receive his peace for your sorrow. Believe and receive his joy for your depression. Believe and receive right now. I'm going to pray a prayer. And as an act of believing, pray this prayer with me. And Jesus will come into your heart. Quietly say this while eyes are closed. Jesus, I want to know you. I want to open my life, please. I want you to come in to the empty place, the empty space inside. There's a vacancy in my heart, Jesus. A big, empty vacancy. I've tried to put drink in it, drugs in it, sex, rock and roll, everything. And I'm still vacant. Will you come in? Oh yeah, you'll come in. Right now. Jesus, Holy Spirit, go to work right now. Hear the cry of the open heart. See the open door right now. If you prayed that prayer, I'll give you a moment right now just to lift your hand up. We'll give you a little book. Well done, Paul. 